Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. And I just want to shout out to Josefa in Chile, who's joining us this morning online. It is great to have you with us all the way from Chile, Josefa, this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Let's here on site say g'day to Josefa. Can you hear them clapping for you, Josefa? It's fantastic. Well, let me ask, begin with a question. Have you ever been longing for something to come true in your life? And maybe it took some time before it came to pass, before it got cemented, before it became a reality in your life. Has something like that ever happened in your life? Put your hand up. A few people are saying yes. Okay. Some of you are still waiting. That's okay. But God is good. Things are coming. Well, what was it like when that finally happened? Were you jumping for joy and so excited and telling everybody? Or were you just kind of oh, relieved at last? How long did that take? A couple of years ago, I was at a friend's uh, with my family at a friend's 60th birthday party and she had this amazing cake and it wasn't kind of a traditional birthday cake and it just looked good and it tasted even better. It had I don't know how many layers in it that were kind of that thick and the only one I can remember to pronounce is ganache, but it had all these other wonderful things in it that I can't pronounce and it was just, and I said to my wife, knowing that I was going to be 60 the next year, that's last year, I wouldn't mind that cake for my birthday. And I didn't say any more about it, but I kind of, you know, just, oh, I wonder if Mary remembers. And then when it came to my 60th, we went away for a weekend with all their kids and grandkids, and they shooed me out of the room on the day of the party itself, came back in balloons and all that stuff, and there's the cake. And there's a picture of it, it should be on the screen. It was just... And my taste buds did leaps in anticipation and it was wonderful. But I knew my wife loved me again. <laughs> but, you know, when things like that happen, though, be careful of what you wish for because now I've kind of set a bit of a standard and it's my wife's 60th this year, so I've got to kind of remember the little clues that uh, come along and make sure I follow through with them. Well, today is Easter Sunday, the day when Jesus left the tomb, the day when in Jesus' resurrection he proved that God's grace was true, was unbounded, was set free, was for everyone at any time in any place, that everything that Jesus had done and said and prayed, that everything that God had promised in the centuries before was yes and amen in Jesus as Paul said. Now, if Jesus had remained in the tomb, God's grace would have remained there with him, impotent and lost forever. At best, some people may have kind of researched Jesus as a history of figure in one of their ancient history classes. But he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead and things were changed forever. And the longing of humanity, whether they understood it or not or could put it into words, was answered that Easter Sunday morning. The tomb couldn't hold him. Death was defeated. Sin was forgiven. God's undeserved favour was set free into the world for eternity. That anyone, saint or sinner, 
Anyone born of a Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, atheist background, no matter where they started in life, this grace was there for them, full and free. Because of Jesus' resurrection, his disciples could never go back to what they were doing before. Things had changed. This grace had been set free. They had a message they needed to share with the rest of the world. You know, if Jesus' death on the cross was a once for all event for the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of us into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, then Jesus' resurrection was the great proof that God's grace was true and eternal. As Paul wrote, and I mentioned it earlier, in his letter to the Corinthians, all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. And that changes everything. And so Paul, who became one of the great carriers of this good news, wrote as someone who had experienced this outrageous grace of God through Jesus Christ, he writes as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, God says, and he quotes Isaiah, the great prophet, in the time of my favour I heard you and on the day of salvation I helped you. That longing in your heart, I have heard you. That deep cry of pain that you carry, I have heard you. That deep wish, that something that I can't even necessarily fully name would become true and real and permanent in my life, I have heard you. And it is my favour to help you. In the time of my favour I heard you and on the day of salvation I helped you. And Paul goes on and says, I tell you now, today, this time is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Since Resurrection Sunday, since that first Easter Sunday, since that moment when Jesus walked out of the tomb, Every day since has become a day of salvation. Every day since is a day of God's favour, his undeserved grace that is freely given to all those who would believe. And as much as we embrace that and we get excited about that and there are many more yet to do that as well, we know we are still creatures of habit. And change which this grace brings can be disturbing and disrupting. And so Jesus' resurrection not only opens up this grace for anyone, anytime, but it also begs the question, are you willing to embrace my grace? Because things will never be the same for you if you do. You see, Jesus... Resurrection becomes the great disruption, the greatest disruption in human history. If Jesus had remained in the tomb, then his disciples would have grieved over time and then moved on. They may have celebrated and sat their grandkids on their knees one day and said, oh, those three years back in about AD 30, well, they wouldn't have called it AD 30 back in that, that time, They were amazing years. You just should have seen the things that we saw. If it 
could have lasted. They would have been free to go back to their BC lives, fishing, collecting taxes, hopefully somewhat a better person for their engagement with Jesus over those three years, but they would have been free just to continue on. But Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead and they could never go back. Today, right now, you can step into that grace. Whether you're someone of faith whether you're someone exploring faith, whether for some reason you never really even thought about it until this moment. Today is the day you can step into that grace, be overwhelmed by it, be flooded by it, be carried along by it. Your sin's forgiven, your dark past erased and a new life begun. And with it, though, becomes a new way of being you and a new way of living your life. You know, this grace covers and erases our sins. Our shame and our guilt is washed away. We no longer have to live kind of looking at our shoes because we're too embarrassed to look people in the eye because we know what's in our heart. We begin to see ourselves differently as our mind is renewed by this amazing grace that actually I'm someone loved and valued, esteemed by God no less, and I can look at myself in the same way. Yes, I can remember some stuff, but God says that's in the past, it's gone, it's dealt with. You are now the righteousness of Jesus living here on earth in my name. You're a son, you're a daughter, Everything of God's resources in heaven is mine to use for my benefit and the benefit of the world. But that brings change. You know, some of the disciples were labelled as, well, they're uneducated country hicks from up north. But they now had a message. They had met the risen Jesus. Were they going to take on that label and say, well, who am I? I, I, I'm not educated. I'm not part of that kind of educated. I don't have my own scrolls at home. Am I just going to go back there? Am I now going to stand up and tell people what I know to be true? Am I going to go back into my box or am I going to no longer be put in the box that they put me in and am I going to be the person that Jesus has made me to be? It's a change. Those automatic patterns of thought and responses and emotional reactions become overwhelmed by this grace that we can now respond thoughtfully and with empathy. It's going to change the dynamics in your relationships, your workplace, your family. People are used to you kind of being like that, but you're not going to be like that anymore. And they might get uncomfortable with you not being like that anymore. But that's who Jesus now calls you to be. Fear is replaced by faith. Negative character traits are replaced by the fruit of the Spirit. Concern about self is replaced by or moderated by concern for others. Bad habits and addictions replaced by self-control and the freedom to make different choices, which will include saying no to some things and some people and yes to others. It's a change. 
Even those, those inner things that God does in us through his amazing grace create a change in us, but it changes everything. It changes us on the inside, but it changes how we now can relate to and are called to relate to other people. Not only were the disciples changed in terms of that inner change that impacted their relationships with people, they couldn't go back to what they used to do. The trajectory of their life was now transformed. It was disrupted. They couldn't go back to being fishers of fish. They now became fishers of men and women. They no longer helped others by giving them a meal of fish. They were now, long, they were now called to help and feed others with the eternal word of God that will sustain them through this life-giving grace that comes through a relationship with the risen Jesus. The risen Jesus disrupted their lives on the inside but also on the outside and he's been doing it ever since one renewed life at a time. This grace brings a new hope that goes beyond optimism. It infuses us with the very love and compassion of God himself for others. And it informs us that we have a God-given purpose. That is the best way to live our life. And it calls for a response. Anyone who enters into a relationship with Jesus is going to experience this outrageous grace, this compelling grace, this transforming grace, but also this disrupting grace. And the trajectory of your life will be changed too. How do I know? Well, there's the stories of the first disciples. One of them was Paul, who wrote, ended up writing half of the New Testament, though he didn't realise it at the time. But Paul didn't start there. Paul started as a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he, as he mentions in one of his letters. He was this young guy ahead of his, uh, kind of his peers for his age, for his scholarship and learning of the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees at a very young age. He was so kind of esteemed by his peers and his leaders of this kind of sect of legalistic Jews that they put him in charge of getting rid of the Jesus followers because they were threatening the status quo and denying the law of the Bible as they saw it to the point where Paul stood by when the first Christian was martyred said, well done guys to those throwing the stones. He had people in prison beaten and put to death. And then one day when he was on his way to extend his influence beyond Jerusalem to Damascus to because they'd heard there's some followers of Jesus over there, he met Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, miraculously on the road. And he experienced this outrageous grace of the very one he'd been persecuting. And it changed his heart. And over the days and weeks and months ahead as he grew in this understanding of his of his Lord and Saviour Jesus. His heart, his understanding and his mission was changed. He went from seeing the Old Testament scriptures 
as being this book of rules that taught you if you want God's favour, you obey the rules and if you don't, you're out. And I have a role to play in keeping you out if you don't to reading them with new eyes and understanding them as the story of God's grace, his undeserved favour, first for the Jewish people but then for all people. Paul, who feared and hated those who didn't follow suit, became, had a heart, grew in a heart of compassion for the Gentiles and became their spiritual father and carried a burden in his heart for them like no one before. And he went from persecuting the followers of Jesus to being the great evangelist for Jesus and sharing the good news of this outrageous grace. I know this grace is true and I know that it's disruptive because I've read some of the stories of countless Christians over the century and I've met many Christians, including some of you, whose stories tell the same story. And then there's my own story that began maybe 50 years ago when I quietly gave my life to Christ. And over those next 10 years, as I began to understand who he was and understand his grace, he disrupted my life. Fear was replaced by faith. You know, I grew up, my plan for life was to be a farmer like my dad. Some of you have heard me say that before. I really wasn't concerned about uh, anything or anyone living 10 miles north of Midlandton on your peninsula. Even Maitland didn't come into kind of my sphere of consciousness. Sorry, Sarah, I know that was a great place where you grew up. You know, our sports teams, Maitland was in a different league with sports back then. We didn't go there. Happiness was found on southern York Peninsula. There was a bit of a logical change to my plan when I realised that uh, our farm wasn't big enough for Dad and Mum and my brother and his wife and me and hopefully my future wife. So I decided I'd be a vet because I could work with farm animals, kind of similar. You know, the great thing about farm animals is if you don't like them, you shoo them away and they run away. And if they're giving you a bit of grief, well, you either tie them up or put them in a pen or, you know, cattle, you can put them in a cattle crush and hold them still. And if you have to do something with them that they're not going to like, you stick a needle in their vein and put them to sleep while you do it. A bit different to people. That was my plan. But God got a hold of my heart. And as my wife will tell you, she fell in love with a farmer's son. She married a vet and ended up with a pastor. My plans to be, a, you know, among other things as a farmer, a shepherd of sheep, and now I'm a shepherd of people. And having this little, my, you know, minute view of the world, since then God has had me go to places like northern Thailand and Uganda. You see, this grace disrupts our lives, transforms us inside, but also changes the trajectory of our life if we respond. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favour for you and for me. And if you're with us today and you haven't begun that relationship with Jesus, then today is the day, now is the moment for you to give your life to Christ and allow this amazing grace of God to spill into your life and begin to change you from the inside out. 
No matter where you've started from, no matter how you rate yourself or others rate you, now is the moment for you. And if you're someone who has already knows this grace in some way for some time, then the question is, are you allowing this grace to disrupt your life? Are you willing to trust Jesus with the change that it will bring, the new direction? And in some ways for me, becoming a pastor, a call to vocational ministry is easier because I get to do it full time and I don't have to juggle kind of different parts of my life that many of you do. But his grace has a call for each one of you of stopping doing some things and starting doing something else with the love of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, making a difference in our world today. I'm sure the people of the Far Eastern Broadcasting Corporation weren't thinking of doing radio programs from bunkers and mobile cars while trying to help people desperately while wondering about whether they'll be where a rocket will land at the wrong time a year or two ago. But they understand God's grace and they know what God's grace is calling them to. Let's pray. Lord, Your grace is so immense and so free, so big and huge, so all-encompassing, so undeserved and so life-giving and so forgiving and so cleansing and so empowering and enriching, so transforming that we don't have words to get around it. And in one moment we can't experience and explain it all, but, Lord, we know it's real because you, Lord Jesus, rose from the dead. And that changes everything. Lord, in this moment, those who are reaching out to you to saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Let your grace begin that great work in me. Lord, I pray for them right now that they would experience you. They would feel you. That your grace would be transforming them even now that, Lord, an assurance would be coming to them. A release of guilt and shame would be unfolding in them. That fears would be fading and faith would be replacing it. That they would begin right now to have a new vision of themselves as you see them. By your grace. Lord, for those that us have wondered or held back, have tried to stay in control while following you, Lord, may we surrender to your grace and your calling to this disruption in our life. Even though, Lord, you don't give us the full picture and the full plans in advance, Lord, may we trust you to say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do from this day forward. Use me. Lord, whether it be Josepher in Chile, those of us here in the Hope Valley Auditorium, people wherever they may be, 
Lord, may we become agents of your grace and the good news of Jesus. May we be the people of the resurrection. And while we can't change the world per se as a whole, Lord, use us to change the world one life at a time. 